Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, uh, folks. Uh, welcome to another episode of Wisdom of Friends Show. I'm your host, Cal Aras. And today, I'm really excited to be introducing you to a good friend of mine and a world-class champion, Maureen Manley. Maureen's exceptionalism first came to international attention as a world-class cyclist. She had no preconceived limits on what she could accomplish as a member of the U.S. cycling team. She won a national championship, set a national record, earned a silver and bronze medals at the national level. She won a silver medal in the world championships and had her eye on the 1992 Olympics. At the height of her cycling career, her dreams came to an abrupt halt with a sudden onset of a health challenge. The headlines read, Manley's Olympic dream is dashed. The journey down one road ended, but another began. A journey filled with compelling life lessons that strengthened her understanding and belief in the power of the human spirit. The courage, the determination, and the resourcefulness that had fueled her amazing career became instrumental in her healing process. She did not let her physical setbacks stop her from living the life she desired. Her journey led her to become a creative force, a gifted corporate professional speaker, and a peak performance wellness and business coach. Maureen's passion for excellence and their authentic presence have led her to inspire audiences from coast to coast. Friends, this is a fascinating and a very inspiring conversation. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Maureen Manley. Good afternoon, Maureen. Uh, Welcome to the Wisdom of Friends show. I'm really excited that you took the time to be on this program. And let me start off with my first impressions of you. We first met almost like a year ago at the NSA event in uh, Seattle. And after learning about your background and your story, I was just so inspired about how you've taken on this life's journey and having you on the show and you share your story with my audience. I know it's going to be a really a treat to uh, listening to you. So I'm so glad you took the time to be on this program. So welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here and I'm happy to share. Great, Maureen. Now, one of the ways we kick off our show is by asking your guest a simple yet profound question, and that is, what is your favorite quotation or philosophy of life that you uh, live by, and uh, how have you applied it to your life? You know, I think my favorite philosophy is sort of one that I've generated through my own journey, and that is actually name my company that, and it's Spirit in Motion. And what that means to me, when I say Spirit in Motion, it's not... I, my heart and mind goes to what it is I mean by that and being a spirit in motion. And that means to harness the best within yourself and help others to do the same. And I am remind myself constantly that that's what I'm about. I really like that. And and what I'm curious about, and before we get into uh, your background and your story, I'm really curious about is, what did your parents do and how did that shape your life? And in other words, where did you grow up and how would you describe your childhood? 
You know, I grew up in Southern California, and um, I have four brothers, four very active brothers, and I was the only girl in the family. And my father came, is uh, worked for a popcorn company, and the popcorn company was his name, Manley's Popcorn, and that is um, because my grandfather invented the first electric popcorn machine. So I come from, my father's side is very much an innovator and entrepreneur um, business. And uh, my mom was a um, emergency room trauma center nurse. So they were both very active and leaders and um, with their work and in our community and radically, just radically <laughs> accepting of um, whatever I wanted to do. As, um, as a young girl growing up with boys, they always, I mean, I, I constantly heard go for it. That was a term that I heard in my youth and it really helped to shape me. And my brothers did everything they could to to whip me into shape and um, and help me to become the the person I am today. No, that is so great. And and just for the benefit of the audience, Maureen Manley uh, first came to international attention as a world class cyclist. She had no preconceived limits on what she could accomplish as a member of the U.S. cycling team. She won a national championship, set a national record, earned a silver and bronze medal at the national level. She also won a silver medal in the world championship. And one of the things that we often, the questions that we often hear from our audience, Maureen, is, uh, you know, it seems like this was your calling. This was your passion. Uh, and, you know, one of your talks that you talk about is, you know, you you basically found your calling when when you rode off on one road and you found another road to kind of embrace uh, when you had that uh, turning point moment in your life. But what I'm really curious about is, how did you find your passion for cycling? Was there a story behind it? Or what made you take up that sport? Yeah, you know, there sure is a story behind it. And the... The story is ever since I was a little girl, um, I loved cycling and I didn't necessarily have, I didn't have any role models with it. I just loved doing it. And I would imagine people lining the roads and cheering me on. And I don't know where these visions and ideas came from. They just felt good. So I went with it. And it wasn't until, and then I started doing uh, triathlons because those came to be a sport in the 80s. And I started doing those um, mostly because I love cycling. You know, I'd swim and I'd run as well because I had to. <laughs> but it was the cycling that I really loved. And it was after I graduated high school that I was watching the 84 Olympic Games on TV. And I saw the first ever women's cycling road race. And I stood there astonished with what I was watching before me on the TV and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt exactly what I wanted to do. And that was to be the best female bike racer in the world. <laughs> I saw I saw it just unfold before me. And and I actually saw an American, Connie Carpenter, win the first ever uh, gold medal. And Connie would later become a friend and a mentor and a coach. Um, but that's just part of my journey, how it is that I came to know her. Um, but that's how my journey in cycling and bike racing began. I loved cycling ever since I was young, and then I found an opportunity, and I didn't waste a second in going after it. No, that is so great. And that brings up a lot of questions, uh, as you can tell. Uh, one of the things that I'm curious <laughs> about is, 
winning a national uh, championship or setting a national record is no mean feat. I mean, this is like, it's like one, it's a rare feat that very few people get to do. And, uh-huh. uh, and I commend you for this amazing journey that, uh, you know, you embraced uh, early on in your life. So walk us through some of those uh, strategic inflection points along the way that before you competed at the national championship. And what I mean by that is, you know, how did you shape your mindset? What were some of the things and rituals that, that you had to embrace and in order to like really compete at world-class level? So what, what was that like? Share some yeah, of that well, with them. I'd love to. First, I had to get to a world-class level. Um, of course, you just don't arrive there. And the mindset that got me there was I knew what I wanted, so I had a, what I call an inspired vision. I knew what I wanted. And I knew the payoffs um, and the whys. uh, I just had a lot of passion to to feed this inspired vision. So I'd get out there and um, start training with men's cycling teams. And they would beat me up real good. And I didn't see them leaving me in the dust (laughs) as a failure. Um, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. You know, I just saw it as feedback, which is as I later learned in, in college in, in researching more of the, um, the mindset and the science and the, the science behind uh, mindsets of champions is that I definitely had a growth mindset around it. I didn't see my experience as a failure. I saw it as feedback. So it would be, I just, I'd think about, okay, so what did I do good? What did I do bad? What do, what do I need to do differently to improve? So I kept coming back out and training with people and learning and adapting and growing. And within a fairly short amount of time, the guys that were beating me up really good had, had a lot of problems keeping up with me. <laughs> and I made it onto the U.S. team in just a few years. And um, and how I did that was just continuing to stay after it and not just pushing, pushing, pushing myself. I needed to train my body physically, but cycling may not look like it to somebody who doesn't participate in bike racing, but it's very strategic. And um, there's a lot of things that you need to understand, and there's a lot of split-second decisions that you make, and there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of positioning. Um, and there's a lot of communication. There's a lot that goes on um, that you need to understand in order to be a good bike racer. And, of course, you must be physically strong in order to um, accomplish what you want. No, that's so, so great. That's what got me there. That's no, what got me to the world-class level. That's fantastic and very inspiring. So what I'm hearing you say are a couple of things that sticks out here from your sharing. One is an inspired vision, and uh-huh. it's the clarity. You know, a lot of people don't have the clarity of exactly what they want in life or what they're aiming for. And one of the things that I'm hearing is it's so critical to have that vision, that having the clarity of vision, having something that puts you towards it instead of like trying to push yourself towards a goal. And right. I think that was that was something that uh, you did remarkably well. And then the other thing that I'm hearing is that you competed with with other competitors who were slightly better than you, like the men's cycling Not team. slightly. <laughs> <laughs> they were a lot better cuz see my and I know you I know you understand this. My inspired vision was so big. I really had to get myself out there with people that were a lot better than me in order to. And so, and I, I do this today and I encourage other people. It's like, if you want to, 
accomplish something that that you're not there yet who are your mentors who are you surrounding yourself with that are going to be examples mentors and role models that are going to encourage you to get to the level that you want to be at no, that's great. And then, uh, and, and then any kind of feedback that you got, it wasn't failure for you. It was a learning opportunity. It was a growth mindset. And sounds like you always kind of did a debrief after every event or every practice to see, okay, what did I learn from this? Or what can I gain from this? How can I improve? And that kind of constant and never, Im- never ending improvement mindset enabled you to like within a short span of time, uh, you know, compete at the national levels. So, and importantly, what you also said was that training the mind, body, conditioning is so important as part of this. You got to be strategic. You got to understand the game and the tactics of positioning and all that. I mean, that played a big factor too. So walk us through that experience of winning the national championship and setting the national record. What was that feeling like when you first won it? Yeah, well, well, actually, I won two, and <laughs> and one was so, um, so the one national, one of the national championships, which is my favorite victory, is in the team time trial, where it wasn't just me; it was four other riders, and we were working together against the clock, and. Um, And it truly is. I mean, I have a master's degree in whole systems design. That's really looking at how is the whole greater than the sum of its parts? How do you work together? How is your strength being uh, utilized in the greater effort of the vision or the team? So, um, of course, lots of practice and um, and being clear in our communication and being able to. to know to to be able to communicate without actual words, and um, and just knowing little subtleties and where to be and how to position yourself in the wind, and um, it's a it's for it was for riders that knew how to um, how to ride at a level that was going to take us to setting a national championship, to winning a national championship. Excuse me, and setting a national record. And how did that feel when you actually won it? Like, what was that feeling like for you? <laughs> oh boy, it was it was exhilarating. It it is um, it's it's almost surreal because one of the things I love about the pursuit of excellence is you just you can't know exactly what that feeling is going to be because you've never experienced it before, and. Um, and the exhilaration and the um, the the joy, especially the shared joy in accomplishing something that had never been done before, was um, amazing. That's so great. And then, uh, did you was it like uh, really quickly for you to like set the next goal, or did you take some time oh, yeah. off to? You? <clears throat> yeah, um, the national championships. Um, lead to being chosen to race in the world championships and um and the world championships is is you know it's like the the world championships are every three years and then there's an olympics and so every time there's a world championships you have the you have a chance to be the best in the world if you're world champion if you win that and so it's just another it's kind of the national championships is a is a phenomenal thing and then, and then there's still another level 
and that's the world championships and the Olympics. And that's even, a, again, a bigger game. Um, the competition's even steeper. Oh, and, um, and even the stakes. It's You see athletes um, competing. You know, we, we just watched the Winter Games, and we see the athletes competing. And um, whether we see it or not, I mean, they have sponsors, and they're representing their country, and there's just a lot at stake. I mean, we have our own personal um, visions and desires for ourselves, and that's the biggest thing. But we also have a lot of weight on our shoulders when we've got the stars and stripes on our shoulders as well. And that's such an important point that you make there, Maureen. And uh, this brings up another question for me is, you know, as we raise the stakes, as we, uh, you know, once you accomplish a goal and you set a bigger goal, you know, it with it also comes certain mental barriers, barriers that uh, we think that is it possible and some of the roadblocks that we may or may not have anticipated along the way. So how, how can we, and it doesn't have to be just cycling, but it could be any dimension of life. When we set goals, the uh-huh. elements of mental barriers or elements of uh, doubting ourselves, how can somebody overcome something like that as they set their goals and are going about it? What kind of uh, routines, mindset techniques that you applied that enabled you to like keep focusing on the goal and not get uh, overwhelmed by the process of getting there? Right, right. I think the biggest thing that I that I teach in this pursuit is to have your inspired vision and then what comes and if you really let what it is that you want for yourself, give it some space and some air time with yourself and others, the thing that's, that begins to pop up next is the yeah, buts, what if, and if onlys, if, if only I was smart enough, if only I was talented enough, if only I um, was pretty enough, if only um, I was educated enough. It, it, it's all those doubts pop up. And they really are assumptions, and some of them are real, and some of them aren't. And the, the thing is, it's so important to give those, the really fears, or assumptions, um, airtime. Listen to them. What are they? Write them down. Because when you begin to stop just trying to push them away or just listen to them, because we think, sometimes we believe what we're thinking, <laughs> and that's the problem. We, we have thoughts. We're not our thoughts, and our thoughts aren't true. Our thoughts are there to protect us. And so we have thoughts that are trying to protect us from being embarrassed or being a failure or, or, or whatever, or being safe. And so is it true that you're not fit enough or strong enough? It's like, well, no, that's not true. Is it true that you're not talented enough? And it's like, well, what is, and break it down. What does talented enough look like? And so really giving the, the fears and assumptions, um, space so you can challenge them. Um, you can't challenge your fears if you're just trying to shove them down or, um, bury them or so often we just behave them we be- we believe them mm-hmm. i'm not good enough i mean the i'm not good enough i'm not worth it kind of line is is huge and it stops people uh, i like that it's it's really uh, what i'm gathering you say is uh 
not suppressing the fears, not suppressing the negative uh, self-talk, but really getting it out on paper or even having a conversation about it because now you're giving it airtime and Uh that allows you to rationalize it. Uh, And it reminds me of of a quotation I heard some uh, recently. It was about, you know, your mind is like a bad neighborhood. You don't want to go there alone. (laughs) 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 And and, uh, so no, this, this absolutely makes sense. And one of the questions I have for you, Maureen, is we have had many guests on the show and, you know, remarkable people with exceptional performances and they've, they've experienced challenges in life. And, you know, when you look at it from outside, they use, it seems like they, it's a failure, but for them, it was just a stepping stone or a transformational moment to something, something totally different. So my question to you is, what is your favorite failure when you look back or a feedback moment for you? And what I mean by that is that failure turned into a major success down the road yeah you know it's it's uh it's interesting my major failure um isn't necessarily a failure i think the 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 major turning point for myself was well i think so here's so here's the failure and the turning point, if you call it a failure, my failure was in a false belief that I was what I did. And I don't beat myself up about that being a failure. Um, and the major turning point for me is when I picked up the phone after having some health challenges at the height of my cycling career and the doctor on the phone told me I had MS and I said, I hung up the phone and looked to looked to my friend and I said, this is the first day of the rest of my life. And for a while, it was a very confusing time because I had so much invested in who I was as an athlete and what I had accomplished. And while I would put that maybe under the umbrella of failure, I just call that a false thought, a false belief. And so that was my turning point. And my victory out of that is understanding I'm so much more than that. I'm so much more than the things that occur in my life. I'm so much bigger. And we all are bigger than our tragedies. And that was the biggest turning point in um, my life is that understanding that um, I did ride my bicycle off the road at the Tour de France. And that was because I lost my vision. And I soon was diagnosed with MS. And the failure was my belief in, for a while, that I was that. That was me, an athlete, and that was gone. And who am I now without that? And my understanding, my evolution, and um, some deep soul searching and education that I'm bigger than this. And, um, and that's what o- opened up a whole new world for me. No, that is really, really inspiring. And <clears throat> so one of the talks that you uh, give, uh, one of your popular talks is about, uh, you know, how do you deal with dreams that are shattered? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for you, you were a national and world champion on your way to Olympic glory. And then then there was that moment, the fork in the road, you talk about when you rode your bike off one road and begin a journey on another road. Could you describe us that process of that moment for you? Like, what was that like? And how did you, you know, how long did it take for you to kind of like come out of that and then 
accept the fact that there is a whole other dimension to life and it's not just being a biker is not your or like riding a cycle you know being a cyclist is not your identity there's more to you than just right this. right well i was doing i was taking a lot of classes and doing a lot of soul searching mostly in in spirituality and you know human potential and 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 development personal development stuff and really taking a long hard look at things because again i was faced with a new challenge and i kind of went i went after it like how do i <coughs> excuse me how do i now meet this challenge so what what i did at first was take everything that i knew being really strong mentally cuz my body was failing but i was always strong mentally and learning and applying it but but in very much kind of a a driven way because that's what i knew but what i was doing that it took me a while to understand is i was using a bunch of good information to fight against something and that's different than having an inspired vision so the distinction is when you have a, an inspired vision you're fighting for something and you have passion around it you have purpose around it and you have a lot of drive and fighting against for me it was fighting against this condition because i wanted my life back <laughs> mm. and can you ever have your life back <laughs> yesterday is done but i did want cycling i didn't want to get my cycling life back and then i discovered that i i mean i didn't discover i found that what i was doing absolutely positively wasn't working for me things were only getting worse worse and what i did the big turning point for me was deciding that Cycling was just something I did. It's not who I am. I mean, I really I really did a lot of soul searching around that. It's not who I am. They are expressions of me. It is an expression of the things that I love. Um pushing myself, knowing myself at deeper levels, the pursuit of excellence. I love the teamwork. I love the com- camaraderie. Um I loved expanding what was possible and and I had to take a look and and ask myself could i still have those things in my life and could they express in other ways and my answer was yes and so i had to turn away from what i was fighting against and create a new vision for myself and say what am i fighting for and just begin to do the same thing i do with some of my coaching clients that are unclear is just begin to build a vision for myself and to start it was just it was being as happy and healthy as i possibly could be with this condition instead of thinking i had to fix it to overcome it overcoming is a state of mind as well so i just began and i began to work towards something versus fighting something and that's when things really began to shift for me um i actually in time started getting better and um and everything that i did for myself was in service to my inspired vision instead of being in service to what i was fighting against because what that was was two strong forces myself and my situation coming head to head and that was only amplifying the problem 
And then when I started putting my actions in service to what it is I want, that's when more flow began to happen in my life. Um, didn't make it easy. Like everything wasn't easy. It wasn't, you know, but, but things were flowing. I was doing better and um, becoming healthier and happier. So, so I was jiving with what it is that I wanted for myself, moving towards something instead of away from something. No, I like that. This is really inspiring. And I, I can draw the distinction. What you just shared is that previously you had the vision that was pulling you, but now like mm-hmm. you reached a point where you're trying to fight it and trying to overcome it. And that reminds me of that classic Zen saying, it's the more you resist, the more it persists. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, the changing something is like you get more of the same. And mm-hmm. really it's about transforming that the situation or the context around it. And I think the way you did that was kind of take a deep inventory of what were some of the traits that you found meaningful and appealing to you, like pursuit of excellence and competing at the highest levels and things like that. And you asked yourself the question, how do I take that and express it in another discipline of life? Mm -hmm. And then like started creating a vision for yourself that was pulling uh, you the same way it did early on in your life and your career. So the other question I have for you is looking at your bio, uh, Maureen, which is really, really amazing, is that you also have an exercise science degree and a a master's degree in whole systems design. Did that come after you stopped competing or was that Yeah, it sure did. It came after I was competing and after I had applied so much knowledge, really, and practice to my own situation um, that had brought me greater health and peace of mind that I said, one of the things that I've always driven, I love to be strong, but then also help others to do the same. It's almost meaningless to me to do it alone. (laughs) Um, That's why I love my national championships or, or, or one of them because it was a, it was a team event. Um, I, I love working collaboratively, but I also love to take what I know and share it and looking at ways to do that um, for others and um, and really a plethora of ways that that could show up in the world. And so I did some investigation and I said, um, you know, where, where, what, kind of master's degree what I what I like and I realized and and I had some help too I realized that what I wanted to do was what I would have to do it it was so really innovative that I'd have to create my own master's degree program in a in a um, and I I called it integrated wellness um, through the whole systems design um, program at Antioch University because I didn't want to just be a naturopath or just be a psychologist or, or just be a, a, a neurophysiologist. I wanted to take the learnings or I wanted to take the knowledge from all these different areas and how it is that the evidence-based research is in service. What does that teach us that I can apply to, to um, my teaching to help others achieve what it is that they desire? Uh, so Whether great. it's a health situation or it's a um, a business and organization, because so often it's what we don't know that gets us in um, trouble. It, it's like, how is your approach? It, it's like people's approach and the how it is that they're applying um, some their knowledge or sometimes it's their limited knowledge 
um, to create sustainable success over time. Absolutely. And it's it's what I'm hearing you say is like people have their blind spots, no matter how accomplished they are, how driven they are, how hungry for success they are. But it's really having the right counsel and surrounding yourself with people that are playing at a higher level can enable you to see the blind spots and compete at the highest level. Now, that's so great. Uh, and that brings up another question. And I'm curious is who were your mentors growing up? Uh, whom did you look up to and wanted to emulate and anybody that comes to mind that uh, you want to give a shout out to that fascinated you and helped you along the way? I'm sure well, it's a big you know, list, but <laughs> it is a big list. You know, I have to give, um, you know, and Connie would Connie Carpenter, the gal who won the first ever Olympic women's um, gold medal at the Olympics. She'd roll her eyes like here she goes again. But I have to give her tons of credit. Because she was a huge role model for me. And and not only the person that she is and who I came to know is extraordinary. Um, and to this day, she's still extraordinary. Um, and the other the other people at, at, through my youth and as I got older were, were um, athletes. You know, men and women and, and mostly endurance athletes I was fascinated by. And um, and I wanted to emulate them, and I and and I I would to the degree that I could by you know riding my bicycle around or um, you know running. I'd run for hours and hours. Uh, they were fascinating to me, and just people doing extraordinary things uh, physically, and that that has evolved in time to people doing extraordinary things. I admire athletes, but um, that's not the only way that extraordinary shows up for sure no it's so great and uh and we're gonna switch gears here uh, maureen i wanted to ask you about what are your favorite hobbies and interests uh anything uh, besides cycling that you uh have taken uh, taken up in terms of hobbies and traveling or anything like that yeah, you know, I um I have a I have a son and he's quite a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love spending I love spending time with him. Um he's he's so amazing. And you know, I have all since I don't you know, I'd say that, that you know, my journey really put me on a spiritual path and I loved to study uh, spirituality and, and, you know, I have a spiritual practice and, you know, that's deeper than just a hobby, but it, it, it does take time and, um, and I, and I love it. And I love reading books around um, spirituality and, and, you know, human potential and, and just what it takes to be, um, I guess you say what it takes to be extraordinary but and i'm also inspired by people doing um extraordinary things too so those are some of my favorite hobbies and you know of course as you said it goes without saying cycling <laughs> <laughs> talking about books what books have you gifted or reread over the years any uh, recommendations you would have for our audience it could be spirituality or it could be just uh you know being bringing out the competitive spirit or just life in general yeah you know Oh, one of my favorite books, and it's probably been that I've really gifted a lot because it's, I wouldn't call it simple, but it's like, because I haven't written a book <laughs> yet, everything's in process, right? Um, the Power of Ted. And um, it's the, gosh, David, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm uh, The Power of Ted, David, I'm spacing his last name. 
Um, but it's the empowerment dynamic. And he really has this beautiful story about how to recognize your, to really recognize when you're in a, a creative state versus being a victim and how to stay out of being in a victim role and how to stay in a creative role. And he spells it out so beautifully and, and powerfully. And I've given that book away. Uh, many times and I have a couple copies and it's like the I think the whole thing is yellow and it's because I've highlighted the whole thing <laughs> so that's a beautiful book but I and I have many it's uh, I think the author is David Emerald uh, yes yes thank you and uh, yeah we'll include that in our show notes uh, for our audience uh, here's another question for you Maureen uh, Having been through the ebb and flow of life, having competed at the highest level, having uh, recreated a dynamic and inspiring vision for yourself and now sharing that with, uh, you know, with your team and uh, the community, what's your definition of a successful life or a good life at this point in your career and life? You know, it, it's... It's health and happiness, contentment and fulfillment, love and, and joy. I, I, I'm one that really leans into the qualities of life. Um, and it, it, so I, I think the um, success is, you know, the financial aspect of it is there is for sure. So it, it, it's, um, you know, what's going to, what do I need to do in order to, um, to achieve the the fulfillment that I want in life and the contentment and the, and the love and the joy. What I don't confuse is thinking that money and things will give me that. I know that the, the money is necessary to live a, a productive life, but I'm, I'm certainly not attached to uh, things and, um, and more is better. <laughs> No, absolutely. And I totally resonate with that because my work is uh, revolves around that is it's success and all the materialistic pleasures can only get you so far. And it's fulfillment mm-hmm. is totally an inside job. It's something that uh, one needs to go within and be content with what we have. So no, that's really a great point. Yeah. And here's another hypothetical situation uh, question for you, Maureen. Let's say we had a time machine. Mm-hmm. And if you could go back in time and talk to your young self, what advice would you give her? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, I would, um, I would talk to her about how great she is without having to achieve things. Achievements are important. Pursuits are important. Um, but you're not those things. And, um, you know, business wise, I would definitely encourage her to, to have a, a, a um, because I came into this pursuit without thinking I would have my own business and, and all that kind of stuff, but just a little bit more encouragement to, to research or to understand business models. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good but point. Of, of course, I know, I, you know, you know, it's interesting to, to look at, you know, my mind says, would I want to take any of her pain away? Because we've all suffered. We've all suffered. But it, it, and it's in the lessons that we learn and how we grew from the suffering. And so I don't know that if I talk to my my younger self, um, 
how, how I really could have protected her more. Um, because I needed, I needed to go through what I went through to become who I am today. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, Moving on to our next section, and this is where we've received some questions from our audience, Maureen, and I would like to start off with the first question, and that is, what stops people, in your opinion, from achieving their fullest potential, besides fear? Um, it, it, it's their fear and doubts. Um, it, and it's, there's, there's some of the, I'm writing a, a blog article right now about um, also their approach and how they do it because sometimes people work so hard and push, 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 and they don't utilize their, what I would call their full potential. They're trying to move into it, but they don't, they don't utilize um, their emotional self, their mental self, their spiritual self. And, um, and as I have said, my master's degree is in whole systems design, and the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And so how do we take the whole and, and utilize that in order to, um, to accomplish what it is that we want? So I can say emotional, and then we have to look at what's the research on emotional intelligence and let's look at that and how, you know, ask yourself the question, how emotional intelligent are you? And if you don't even know what that means, you might want to Google it <laughs> and look at, you know, how do I deal with things emotionally and how emotionally intelligent am I? And how does that work in my pursuits of what it is that I want for myself to to achieve as much as I can? And, you know, spirituality is a big one, your spiritual self, and that is I would say simply, what's your inspired vision? What gives you purpose and meaning? That is what science points to as spirituality. Again, there's so much more to it. But how are you, how are you fighting for something? And um, instead of just wondering, like, push, 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 I need to make more money. It's like, well, hmm, you might just burn out that way. <laughs> what, what is it that you want um, how is that giving you purpose and meaning? Because that's going to allow you to to be pulled forward. And mentally, how are you fostering that aspect? Or do you see yourself as as do you frame things in your mind as a um, or as feedback or failure? Um, because you can just that that's where the doubts come in. That's where the fears come in. Um, so it really is a whole person pursuit. So that's why I think people are some of some of why people have a hard time moving into their their um, full potential because they're not accessing, utilizing, and, and fostering, intending to their full self, physically, mentally, emotionally, and even and spiritually as well as socially. No, that's a good point, and it's like it's so important to tap into all different dimensions of life, as you said, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, uh, socially as well. And uh, and uh, for the benefit of the audience, there's a great book by Daniel Coleman uh, called Emotional Intelligence. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a great primer on that. Uh, moving on to uh, the other question I'm curious about personally, uh, Maureen, is you talked about clarity of vision. You had that moment watching that Olympics early on in your life and you knew that that's exactly what you wanted to do. Now, there are so uh-huh. many people out there who may have 
the confidence, who may have the abilities to uh, achieve a certain goal that they have set out for themselves. But there may not be a clarity in terms of this is exactly what my life is m- meant to do or or how do we get that clarity of vision? What's your take on that? How do people like really uh, be clear on what is it that they are meant to be doing in their lives? Yeah, well, you know, I think that's a great question because I think in this society where we can get information so quick, we expect that we should just know <laughs> what's my purpose? Um, what should I be doing? And sometimes it takes some digging. <laughs> we have to look at things like what we value, what brings us joy, what are some of the common themes um, and patterns that we've had all of our lives. And, um, and what does that point us to? I mean, there's all things, um, all sorts of things. I mean, even looking around your surroundings and saying, what do, what do I surround myself with? And um, what inspires me? And what am I drawn to? I mean, these, these are the things that need some time. You know, what I've done with some people in my workshops and classes is done vision boards and just look at pictures and magazines and that speak to you and cut them out and just see how it, how it begins to unfold and um and and then allow the vision to begin to take shape and and if you you know have coaches or friends that um are good at asking questions <laughs> that's really helpful as well to help clarify it and um again what i'm pointing to is it's a process and it takes some deep inquiry and some and some looking. And instead of being sad about not knowing what it is, get excited about discovering what it is. Because I don't know about you, my visions for what I want to do, it's always kind of in the same wheelhouse. But it also evolves as I change and grow and mature. So, um, so you know, we're always we're in progress. And just to pay attention to what inspires us and how it is that we want to be the change in the world. It's it's sort of, you know, there's a lot of complaining out in the world right now um, about stuff. (laughs) Um, And, you know, there's only so much complaining that I'm willing to listen to. It's like, well, what are you going to do about it? I mean, if something really... It, it really bothers you. Um, maybe that's a sign that there's something that um, my language, your soul, is trying to tell you that um, you can be a that you can you can you can be a betterment to this world because you're here and you care. So paying attention to those things, writing them down, and, and um, just continuing to cultivate what that is. No, that's great. And uh, one of the practices that I've taken on and over the years that's really helped me a lot is doing soul correction. I call it. It's like being <laughs> still and going within and like listening to uh, the source speak to me. And, you know, it could be your higher mm-hmm. self. It could be whatever that mm-hmm. you may want to call it. And then really tapping into that, that tells you, okay, this might be the next inspired action you need to take in that direction. And as you said, we evolve or uh, as we change, as we grow, we develop and our vision can alter uh, as we, uh, you know, gain more information along the way. Uh, that's right. th- that's so great. And then uh, the other thing, uh, what is the best investment of time or resource you made in your life, Maureen, 
Anything that comes be- to mind? Um, oh, yeah, all sorts of things. You know, the best, I, I, I think it's very, you know, time, um, it, to answer the question, it's in my health, <laughs> my health and happiness and, and fostering that. Um, because, you know, I have a health condition. It doesn't mean I'm not healthy. And I think that's real important for any of us, for all of us dealing with any kind of thing it's I, I will always have my, my health and there's always more than I can have. And um, and investing in that and my my whole self mentally, emotionally, spiritually and physically and, of course, socially is always my first investment and always is my first um, kind of go to because that's the foundation that everything else is is built on. And it goes back to the theme of my life is I need to be strong so I can help others be strong. That's that's really great. Uh, the other thing uh, you talk about in your presentation and your work, uh, Maureen, is courage and confidence. Uh, one of the distinctions you talk about is that it's not innate. It's not inborn. It's something that we achieve by taking action. Uh, and we need to decide what's important to us. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. I th- I think so often people will will will, will say, you know, I, I wish I had the courage to do that. Or they'll look at me speaking. I mean, I didn't become a, a, a professional speaker overnight. <laughs> it was scary at first and all that kind of stuff. But I had to flex a lot of courage. I had to flex my courage muscle and do the things that were uncomfortable to get me to where I wanted to go. And that's a theme throughout with my life and anyone else that's that's um, achieved anything, really. So um, just the thought that, um, you know, people have said to me, and maybe they've said it to you, too, is like, I'm, but I'm not like you. And it's like, well, there's an assumption there that needs to be challenged, that you've got an idea of me that's probably not true. <laughs> and um, and to say this is this is what I want and and it doesn't mean you have to leap into it, but it does mean you need to lean into your fear a little bit and, and take some some steps in addressing some of the discomfort. And this is some of the, the stuff that I teach in my performance under pressure trainings is realistic ways to address the pressure or the fears in order to grow um, your competency, really. And as we grow our competency to be able to hand things, handle things, we grow our, our confidence in our ability to do it. And it doesn't mean we don't have to have – I mean, we can have support, we can have encouragement, and we don't need to do it alone. You just have to know what those things are and address them. And, and it's not by thinking about it. It's by actually doing something about it. Yeah, it's definitely a virtuous cycle, right? It's like success begets confidence and confidence begets success. And it just kind of like keeps running its own course. And I think it's you're yes. right on the money with the action aspect of it. Uh, that's mm-hmm. so great. Okay, and you know, the thing is, people don't have to, I'm sorry, but you don't have to just jump in and you're not going to be there overnight. It's a process. And so you take the steps that you like it, it, when I'm coaching a client, it's more of I, the question is, what are you willing to do? And what do you feel like you you would be able to accomplish? And let's say it's somebody who wants to start exercising. It might just be I'm willing and I think I can go buy some tennis shoes. 
that's where we start. Can you stand on the treadmill? <laughs> you know, at least we're getting there. You know, we're making the progress that they believe is achievable. And science says you have to work at a level that you believe you can achieve at. And that's how we grow our courage. And that's how we grow our confidence. And that's how we expand our possibilities and our competency and our courage. Absolutely. Love that. Uh, in addition to, and just for the benefit of the audience, in addition to being a life successful life coach and, uh, and a consultant, uh, Maureen's a professional speaker. So I want to kind of like, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't touch upon a little bit of professional speaking here, uh, because a lot of our listeners are, uh, speakers, are professionals, mm-hmm. business executives who are, you know, always struggling with public speaking or looking to get that edge when they are making a pitch to venture capitalists or angel investors or for their businesses or speaking to the board or selling an idea. So tell us about what, in your opinion, is the art of creating an impactful speech or delivering a message? And how should one go about preparing and uh, delivering it, in your view? Sure, sure. I think... Um you know, sort of the, the, the nutshell version of it is being very clear about first what it is that you're wanting to convey. What's the overriding message that you want your listeners to understand? And what's the even the takeaway in, in, in going when they leave, I want them to feel this or to know this. And so that's the overriding message. And you say, OK, so that's what I want to convey and then say, so what are the points in that message? Let's say there's three. Three is a common thing. <laughs> um, three, three points you want to make and then come up with three stories that support those points. And, um, and then say, okay, so you're starting to create the outline of that presentation. And then look at how am I going to make this dynamic and look at where you can make it funny. <laughs> how can you keep people in, entertained and and know that you're human and that they're safe with you and they're going to have um, a good time with you during your presentation and um, and and then you, you you really I mean in a nutshell that's that's it and a strong call to action at the end of course and um, lots yeah, of practice I mean, yeah lots lots of practice. Um, and it's I think when you start to have when you when you say, OK, what's what's my overriding message? What are my stories that I can what are the points I want to make? What are the stories that support that? And how can I make this funny and fun? And a strong call to action is is a pretty good outline for a strong presentation. No, it's great. Excellent. Yeah. And we're going to branch out into the next section of our show here, and it's the lightning round, the rapid fire round, uh, Maureen, and I have a few questions for you, and it's the first response that comes to your mind. So mm-hmm. are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So the first question is, who's your favorite music band? Who is my favorite? My, my favorite music band actually has one name <laughs> right now, and that's Adele. Okay, hello. <laughs> if you could be hello. Su- <laughs> if you could be successful in another profession, which would you choose? I would choose being a doctor. Mm. Do you believe in magic? Ah, absolutely positively I believe in magic. 
the single most valuable piece of advice you've received in life? That is to um, to go for it. Mm. Whose brain would you like to pick? Oprah's. Okay. And if you if you could ask God one question, what would it be, Maureen? That would be. I'd want to know more about suffering and why they're suffering. Mm. And the final question within the rapid fire round, and that is, if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? Choose kindness. Oh, I like that. I like that. Really great. And then the final section, I have the last three questions for you, Maureen. The first one is, what is your current personal or business passion project that you're working on? Uh, what are you looking forward to, in other words, in the next six months to a year from now? Oh, my passion project right now is my new program called The Cycle of Success, Mastering Your Will and Way to Win. And um, it is a keynote. It's also uh, workshops. And um, I am looking to do more work with uh, groups and um, online and, and in person. So I'm I'm excited about flushing all that stuff out and doing more writing and, and blogging and, and getting my book going. No, it's great. And we'll include all the social media links in the show notes so that people can find out more about your program and uh, reach out to you. So the other question I have for you is, what are three things you're grateful for in life? Three things that I'm grateful for. I'm so grateful uh, for, oh, I'm so grateful to be here right now. Um, I am grateful for my, my son, family and friends and my ability to serve. Mm, oh, that's very inspiring. So I would like to acknowledge you, Maureen, for a few things. Uh, one being, what an inspiring role model you are for people that who get to know you, learn more about you and, and the things you've accomplished and not letting life's challenges uh, knock you down, but figuring out a way to like create an even more and a bigger inspired vision for yourself and helping uh, use that skill of collaboration and making a difference in other people's lives because teamwork is important to you and uh, the ability to share what you've learned over the course of your life and helping impact lives, I can tell is so important to you. So thank you for being you, mm-hmm. Mark. Thank you. I appreciate and, it. And one final question, and this is how we wrap up all our interviews, and that is why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? Wow, what a great question. And they should they should learn to be inspired and, and to it's so inspiring um this podcast and, and learning about um one I mean ins- inspiration is so huge and then also learning from people that have achieved in their own lives that that care to share to make it an easier path for you to move into your excellence so you too can be a blessing on this planet because the world needs you and um, thank you for, for providing this service to people um, that, that care to, to learn and grow and evolve into their greater yet to be. Thank you, Maureen. I appreciate that. I really uh, enjoyed our conversation this uh, evening. And for those of us who are listening with that, we'll wrap it up. And if you like what you heard, please share. Don't be shy.
Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Carla Rass. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to wisdomoffriends.net to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We hope you'll pass along our web address, wisdomoffriends.net, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on the website for previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. This has been a Seven Symphonies production Join us next time for another edition of The Wisdom of Friends.